Kelman on CliffCentral.com. Dan Calderwood, I'm going to just really jump straight into it and uh, go back to sort of several years ago. You are studying journalism. Uh, you're hanging out at Rhodes, living your best life. And there's an, a voice inside of you in an era that isn't necessarily that digital or online yet that tells you that online is the way to go and it forms a large part of your narrative moving forward. Tell me about that inner voice that kind of struck you sitting in very traditional lecture halls where they were pushing print down your throat. Gee, I think it was more um, a lack of an, an alternative, really. It was it was kind of like, I don't want to do mainstream television. I want to do something else. And it was like, oh, digital's the the cool kids. And at that stage, there was very few people doing it, and especially in our sort of line of work of uh, television online or video online. It was very, you know, people were like, what are you doing? It's not the way you do it. And there were, there were a group of, um, about five or so people, a little couple of years ahead of us that were kind of really forefronting this, um, digital move. And I kind of was like in with the cool kids and mm -hmm. I was like, sure, this is, this is, this looks like the future. This looks like it's, it's going to go big. And I kind of got involved. I did, I did an internship at Times Media back in my final year of Vasti. And it was when multimedia was just taking off with Ray Hartley. They'd just launched the Times. And it, I, I kind of got bitten. I kind of, the, the digital bug bit me. It was that, that, um, feeling that you can interact with the audience so immediately that it was, that there was something really quite, um, yeah, it was a bug. It was, it was, it was something that, that just, you know, it, it sits inside you. And as you say, it's that mm. sort of inner talking. I mean, I remember that first job I had, there was a sinkhole on Oxford, Oxford Street. And I ran down, got my video camera out, watched the sinkhole collapse on Oxford Street, ran back, put a video together, slapped it, put online, it up online. And the next thing went home, logged online to check how many views you got. And in those days it was kind of really slow and suddenly it was 2000 views. And I was like, and you know, this is back mm -hmm. in like 2008. And I was like, Whoa, you know, within an hour, let's go there. And that kind of like immediacy kind of was like, sure. I like this term digital bug because the reality is that anyone in this day and age will be bit by a digital bug of sorts. And then it's our job to figure out if that's a, poisonous thing or if that's a positive thing i mean for some people the digital bug biting them is horrible because it means cyber bullying it means all of that stuff but for other people it can mean very positive things and actually it comes down to the individual and we decide what the digital bug is going to mean in our own lives and i would imagine a guy like you takes that decision very seriously and your relationship with the internet and digital is a very sort of multifaceted one Totally. And I think, as you say, it's an individual thing. I think as a, as a content producer in the digital space, I had a lot of grapplings with it. And, and the fact that I was, you know, in my initial positions when I started working at News24 as one of its original uh, multimedia reporters, mm. I would find that it was quicker sometimes to put together something off social media, package it and upload it. And then suddenly here I was stuck to my desk, but creating content and reaching an audience without moving. Mm. And as a someone who likes to be behind the camera and someone who likes to be in the field, it was a big grappling. And I was like, you know, if I, if I leave my desk, you know, something might happen that I can't get to somewhere, part, other part of the country. 
but, and my audience needs it, but yet I'm doing something else. So it was, it's, and it also, you know, you, you start to become as a digital content producer, you know, you can produce your own content, but you also use other people's kind of, you know, not intellectual property, but you, there's, there's a gray area in which you can play on on social media. It's in the public, public um, space. space. So you can use it and you kind of mash it together. You credit it and you create this really interesting, you know, contextual story around not even having been there, but also some, a different, you know, a different story mm. that you might not have been able to tell if it was just you on your own. But this is what I find fascinating is that news agencies actually now are kind of becoming the curators of everything that's online. And, uh, you, you go to a news platform, you'll go to like a Times Media to hope that they take all the, the good stuff and the bad stuff and the true stuff and the false stuff and they kind of package it in a way and then they don't have people on the ground because now we are the people on the ground. Every human being is a reporter now because we all got a phone. Mm. And, you know, just creating one voice that cuts out the noise and cuts out the bullshit because there is so much of that online. I think especially with, 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 um, social media, everyone is, everyone thinks they have a voice. Everyone thinks they're an opinion maker. You know, I read a very interesting thing around the Penny Sparrow, um, racist debacle that mm. suddenly everyone, you know, wanted to jump in and have a fa- Facebook status saying, you know, I disagree with this. I'm like this. I'm like that. Whereas, and everyone was taking that, that the, these comments as, um, you know, the Bible, they were like, Oh yeah, what you're saying is, is true. And what do I, mm. and instead of relying on editors and, you know, opinion makers and people who've been educated to, uh, to shift out the bad, they were kind of like everyone's suddenly consumed with what everyone else is saying, and there's just this massive noise of the whole time. As a, as a, you know, with your roots in journalism, uh, is there more emotion for you in being on the ground, or is there more emotion in seeing the social media voice because there's so many more voices now? What gets you more emotionally attached? I think as a journalist, you're anchored in the emotion of the person on the ground. Okay. I think as a digital content producer, you're, you're connected to the emotions of the, of the audience. I think, and, and that's where you have to sort of bridge between, between both. You have to live in both worlds. As a truly, um, telling South Africa's stories, you have to be in both, both spaces. You can't ignore the ground and you can't ignore the audience and, and the social. You have to you have to embrace both, and you have to somehow producing content or putting content forward. You have to have both. You can't you can't expect to tell South African stories on the street when you don't you're when you're not on the street. You can't expect to live your life through your mobile phone, through your social media, and not put your social media down and look around mm. you and talk to people face to face. I think as a journalist, you still you'll lose that. You'll lose that human engagement. I mean, you you can get get on a bus or at an airplane now, and you can look around you, and everyone's got their their faces and their phones, and you know that there's something inhumane about that. I feel like I feel like we're losing our human touch because we've got to we've got to connect through a platform. We've got to mm. connect through a device, and I think ultimately. That's what journalism is about. It's about connecting with people. And if you can connect on a human level without your device, but then disseminate your story through a device, that's the skill that you, that, that you've got to have. In the context of your own life, sort of what narrative is digital and online shaping? And how is that surprising you? I mean, as a kid, like six or seven year old Dan, we had no idea that the internet was going to be a thing. You probably thought of your life in a very, sort of X kind of way because no one had foreseen how big the internet would be. 
But now living it, being in this digital era, I mean, how is it affecting the narrative of your story just on a very human being out on planet Earth level? Yeah, I think it goes back to even before the internet. It goes back to computers. I mean, I remember sitting on, on, um, for hours as a kid playing, um, Caesar three, you know, building my little empire. I and, used to love that game. Yeah. What happened to that? <laughs> that was a great game. <laughs> and I remember building these empires for hours and hours. And I remember, um, when I first bought it, my parents were so like, no, you can only have two hours on the computer. And I was like, that's not enough to build an empire. It's not enough. And eventually I think my uncle said to my mom, just leave him. He's happy. He's not causing shit. And, um, you know, he, he, he might one day become the next Bill Gates. Mm. You know, I remember that so clearly. And I was like thinking back now, that's the, f- it's the first time I've thought about that story for a long time with what you said. Like there I was at uh, possibly, yeah, probably about 10 thinking what computers were then and thinking how, they are such a part of my life now mm-hmm. and not just computers, but yeah, as you say, digital and the internet and the access to internet. I think my narrative with it is, is one that is pretty similar to most people. I think millennials, especially, I think everyone is never too far from their mobile phone. I mean, I think we're all guilty of sleeping at sleeping with it mm-hmm. within arm's reach. Um, we all have notifications switched on for everything. We, we, are guilty of never having a digital detox. Um, and I think it, 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 it just shapes your day to day life. I mean, whether you, you use it for entertainment, you use it for information, you use it mm-hmm. for communication, you, you use it for everything. And I think, um, it's, 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 it's bad, it's bad and it's good. It's, it's, I mean, if, if, I always, always try and set myself a, a rule at least once a year to get, to get away from where I can't access it, where I, where I have to be off, offline for two weeks mm-hmm. at a time. I think it's, it's a good time to kind of just unplug and, and, and be away from it. But because my job and my life is a, a role evolved around news and digital publishing, it's very hard not to be on it the whole time. I mean, two weeks in the digital news environment or in the news it's environment. Like a lifetime. Yeah. You'll, you'll miss, you'll miss the Penny Sparrow debacle mm. of 2006. You know, you, those kind of things just happen and then they, onto the next thing. So the waves just, you know, they come and they go. And it's, it's, so you've always got to try and, you know, be in touch somehow. I mean, who would have known that Facebook video six months ago would be as big as it is now? Yeah. If you had unplugged and were unplugged for it, you would have, you would be living under a rock to think that, you know, video on Facebook is, is not going to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It must be, I mean, navigating these digital streets, no one can be an expert in it because it hasn't been around for long enough. Mm. And I would imagine that to progress in one's career like you have, you've had an incredible sort of climb to where you are now. Uh, there's a lot of instances where you have to take your ego out of it and not be the guy that knows everything because nobody knows everything. Oh, and, totally. And totally. that I would imagine is, is hard at times. Um, it's easier said, it's easier said than done. Yes. But I think, um, for me, I've always had to learn from, from reading and f- from consuming media from, from outside of South Africa. Being a multimedia journalist in South Africa when I started, there was no one else doing it. There were not even positions of multimedia editors. There weren't even, there were very few people in the digital thing. So I'd never had anyone else to learn from. I always had to find other resources to learn, see what other people were doing outside of South Africa, outside of Africa, look at, look to the Americas, look to, to Europe and to get an idea of where this industry was going. You know, they were five, 10 years, 15 years ahead of us. So for that, it was, a, it was quite a humbling experience because 
I never had to, I never, I never from the beginning said, I'm the, I know what I'm doing. I know everything in this, in this industry in South Africa because I'm the only one doing it mm. or I'm one of few, very few people doing it. It was always like, I'm, I'm practicing. I'm learning. I'm trying because this is a new environment. It's a new environment where we're putting video online and people's data bills, you know, they still couldn't afford data. Yeah. So you, you had to, you, even though you, you tried to emulate what was happening in the first world, you still had to make it um, applicable to a third world, third world audience. So, you know, as much as you could say like, oh yeah, um, you know, HuffPost Live is doing an amazing thing with their studio. You know, let's try and create something like that here in South Africa. Um, live video, it's the way forward. Well, HuffPost Live has just, you know, cut half their programming this week. You know, they suddenly, you know, talking heads are gone in video, mm. whereas six months ago, talking heads were the thing. Mm. So, you it's know, constantly changing. it's, it is constantly changing. And that's, that's the thing. I think you're, you can't get caught up in your ego because it, the change is, it happens too quickly. And I think, the old saying of pride comes before a fall mm. is definitely hmm. something that always sits sits with me. So with all of that in mind, tell me objectively how you reflect your style and your philosophy and your way of telling a story and everything in an objective way, which is what you have to do. You have to be unbiased. How do you create an objective, unbiased piece of content, but still have your style and your flair shine through in it? I think um, what I learned working at News24, you've got to really understand your audience and you've got to understand where your audience is. So everyone talks about digital first content flows. Now we're looking at audience first, where the audience is to put our content. So it's, you've got to, you've got to really understand that and, and, and to sit in that environment to know ultimately I'm creating content for a mass audience. At News24, I'm creating content as fast as I possibly can into that mass audience. And how do I do that? Do I, do I add context? No, because I'm, I'm, I'm feeding, I'm feeding, I'm feeding a worm. I'm feeding an audience that is hungry for more and they're hungry for more in a breaking news environment. So do I take little clips of, of video and say, here, yeah, the Santon bridges collapsed, watch the video here. Yeah. And you just give out little bits of information and you just, cause you don't know all the information in a breaking news environment. You can't wait 12 hours to then add context and mm. say, so this is why the Santon bridge collapsed. Here's the context about you've around get it. it out. You've got to just get it out. You've got to, and, and, and to lead that space, you've got to get it out fast. And, and, and that must be a rush in itself. It's a complete adrenaline rush. I mean, huh. you see things happening on Twitter. You, I mean, you see, you just, it, it, it's, it's completely, it's a surreal experience because you can walk away at the end of the day being like, I didn't achieve very much, but actually you've done this whole circle of like thinking in your mind. You just like, you know, you've gathered stuff, you've seen stuff, you've put out stuff and, and you know, like what did I actually do? But you're so caught up in the right. rush that you just, you know, the adrenaline runs you. Which is great. No, it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's it, to work in a, in a, in a digital first newsroom and a fast breaking news environment. It's, 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 it's hectic. Yeah. What have all these years working in digital taught you about the fundamental nature of human beings? I mean, if there's one theme when it comes to human beings that's, that's rung true in this career of yours in digital, whether it's what people post in a comment section, whether it's what people respond to or yeah, don't respond to. <laughs> but, but what are you, what have you learned about human beings? Fickleness. I think digital, Human beings in a digital environment are fickle. It's almost like 
you know, you can almost relate them to the obsession with Hollywood. You know, one, at one moment, you're the it thing and you, and the story's big. And then the next moment, it's not. And they're onto something else. So they change and they, they just, they, they're hungry for information the whole time. They're hungry for the next big thing. So even though they, they said yesterday they cared about something, then the next day something else is bigger and they care about that. So then mm-hmm. their attention moves from one thing to the next. And it's just like, Oh, but you had a relationship with that story yesterday, but today I have a different relationship with this story today. So it just, it just changes. And the movement, you know, they always talk about the 12 hour news cycle. I think in digital, it's like the hour news cycle. Jeez. So like, you know, at the beginning of the day, you can't sort of say, okay, what am I going to do today? I'm going to produce a video about this. You know, by the time you produce the video in two, three hours time, that wave of interest is gone. So in your, in your, the way you create the content has got to be, you know, you've got to be aware of how fast the news cycle moves. So especially in a video environment, when you think how long it takes to create a video and create a video in an online news environment, by the time you're thinking and conceptualizing the creation and you then recording it, scripting it, uploading it, editing it. Mm. And by the time it gets online and out to your audience, you've missed the wave of attention. So you've got to be very clear and very clever about what you, what you focus on in terms of content creation for video in, in, in an online breaking news environment. Do you see your life as a series of content pieces? I mean, I, I th- once you start thinking along these lines, once you start walking into every situation and saying, that's a three minute clip there, that's that over there, that's how I tell that story. How does it affect no, I think your, I, your own life? I think I've moved on from, from singular content pieces. I think now I'm in a position where I can look at it as a, as, as a overall project rather than a content. I have people that work and create content for me. I, I see it now as a project based. I see but how it, you think about your own life? How does it affect you personally when you start? Oh, I see everything through a lens. Okay. I, th- I see everything. I mean, I have a relationships, for, everything. Maybe not relationships, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I definitely, I see, I see things in, in still and moving images. I, I just see like, oh, that would make a good video or, or I hear side. So and that's you sitting at a coffee shop or a coffee yeah. shop or at a dinner table or, you know, I mean, uh, one of the big things when I was, when I was pitching news 24 live to, to potential employees and the people in the business, I said, I want to have conversations that, that, w- that we get heated about around the, around the dinner table with your uh-huh. friends. Those are kind of the conversations I want to be talking about. Those are the kind of conversations we need to bring into the workspace. We need to bring into the media space and we need to take out to the public because if, if, if you and I are talking about it at the dinner table and it's important to us, why aren't we talking about it at work? Why aren't we talking about it in a public, f- public forum? Why uh-huh. are those conversations happening? out there and Uh not around with us. So I see, I always, I mean, I, I always see, you know, a little, a little bit of a story everywhere I look. And I think, you know, we never lacked for stories in South Africa. We never lacked for, um, you know, interesting people to meet and fascinating stories. And, and I think South Africans are such, um, you know that they, they resilient. That's the word. That's the word I was looking for. They 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 always you know they're also ambitious. Mm. I feel that they want something more out of life. They want better. They want better for themselves and they want better for their families. And and as a result, there's people who are, who are always striving to better themselves and better their story in life. And I think when you start looking around at everyone, and that's what people want. 
I wonder if there isn't sort of some reasoning or rationale in, in this being one of the greatest countries to do what you do. I mean, if you were doing this in Australia, you'd be reporting on like, you know, a sheep that died or like whatever it is. I, I mean, I always think of, you know, there's a lot of shit going on in, in South yeah. Africa. Um, but we know for a fact historically that the greatest art comes out of societies that have like the most messed up things happening in them. No, totally. I mean, I, I, I remember after Vasti standing, you know, at the, edge of Vasti, the big bad world was there. I was very lucky. I was, I could, I had a lot of options open to me. I could move overseas. I could go to England. And I I just said, I remember saying to someone, I don't want to go to England to be a journalist, a junior journalist, especially just out of Vasti. I'm going to be reporting about that hamster stuck in the, stuck in a drain pipe. I don't want that. I want to live in a society where, where real human issues are being debated on a regular basis, where, where we have real issues that are important. I gotta go to, uh, I'm so happy that you're on this list. I mean, you're spewing such truths here. I gotta go to two questions from uh, fellow millennials on our list of uh, millennials to watch in 2016. Here's one. Who is the most important person in your life and why, Dan? Sure. Do I get time to think about that? <laughs> I actually love silence in a situation like this. So, I mean, we can have silence. We can just, uh, I think my wife. I think, um, how long you guys been married for? Sure. Only eight months. Um, That's cool. so she's an incredible woman. She's a, a massive gender activist. Um, and she works for the good of the public. She's in, she's in, um, public service and she's in, um, you know, she's in the, she's in the space where her opinions and her, um, thought processes are incredibly challenged, challenging. And to be married to someone like that is an incredible, um, privilege and i'm just very lucky that i can go home at night and think that i'm getting you know a chill out you know time to chill out from the news unplug and then i get bombarded with questions and i just you know she just asks questions and she just wants to know and she wants to challenge and she doesn't want to just accept for the you know the normal she wants to you know make sure that the world is a better place so it's fantastic to have someone like that by your side relationship yeah yeah because you would evoke that in each other yeah uh, another question here. What app can't you live without? Jeez, what a big statement. Can't live without. Because we can live without all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have lived out, lived yeah. without all of them. <laughs> but in very hypothetical pop culture terms, which app is the, the one? The one that I probably go to the most is Instagram. Probably being a, being a visual person. Mm. I loved it when they introduced video. I thought it was, a, you know, the bees knees. I thought, yes, this is, this is great. Um, because I think and, and see things so visually, I, I just, I just love the way that people see the world differently and see the world through other people's eyes by showing you just a simple photo. I think, you know, there's so many talented people out there that even as a photographer and as a videographer to my core, I still don't, you know, I still can get inspiration and, Mm. um, you know, like, oh, I saw that same picture or that same, you know, environment, but geez, they, they captured that so well. That's, I wouldn't have thought to go to that angle or put that filter on if, you know, or, you know, say those sort of words with that picture to evoke an emotion. So I think, um, the great thing about Instagram over something like a social media over Facebook is that it is, 
showing you what exactly the world is happening in a split second with one photo. Mm. And you can add very little text and it actually show, shows you the real world. Mm. Whereas I think with Facebook, people can create it so much more. You can say, I'm living my best life because I'm only showing you one, show, yeah. I'm only showing you one part of my life. Whereas you don't get that argument. bullshit. You don't get that bullshit on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, yes, you do. I lie. I lie. I'll, I'll be challenged Some people that. spend a truckload of time, time editing photos. No, totally. I mean, but there was that model story. you decide what you allow in. Yeah, yeah, you decide what you're allowed in. Yeah, Senna O'Neill. Yeah. Um, I got to tell you, you make me, just these you know, past however many minutes you spent, makes me incredibly positive around digital. I mean, I sometimes feel overwhelmed by how much can be done and overwhelmed by the internet and everything. But you know that there's people like you navigating the space and figuring it out because you are, you're pioneering the space as you go kind of gives me a little bit of comfort in the back of my mind that it's actually all doable and it's all fine. And there are logical processes to follow. And ultimately it is uplifting as opposed to something that's negative. Mm. Um, and so I'm actually going to let you close this and, and do anything else that you feel like you want to say, <laughs> can people learn anything from you? I don't know, Dan, you, you tell me. Gee, I don't know. I don't know if I've spoken very well at all. I think I've mixed my words up a lot. <laughs> no, you've I'm, been great. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm normally not used to being on the on the front end of being questioned. I'm normally the one giving all the all the background information and saying, "Do this, do that," giving the instructions. I'm not used to being the front end. No, I think I think if if I can leave with one thought, I think South Africa is such an, a a space where we're lucky that that we're not the first world country in terms of digital because we're, we're such a unique environment. We, we, I mean, I, I've had a career where I've been able to basically play with what I like, being able to trial and test things. And I mean, I would never have been able to do that in the TV environment. There's, you know, there's scheduling and there's, um, ad breaks and there's things like that in the digital space and in, in video, you can, you know, you can change the format you can withdraw. You can say, right, I don't, today we're not having anyone in, in front of camera. We're having no reporters in front of camera. We're going to slap text on it. We're going to do video for the deaf. And everyone will be like, what are you talking about? This is crazy. But you know, we're going to try it because we, we can test it because there's metrics available immediately. And we can say, okay, cool. Our audience engaged so much better with this. They want this type of content. They don't want to listen to some lame reporter pretend that they're interested in someone they're interviewing. They want to see the action. They want to see what's going on. They want to be informed and they want to be informed quickly and they want to be informed visually. And I think when, when you work in a digital space, creating content and putting out, um, daily stories of South Africans, I think I've just been very privileged to be in a space where I've been able to play and still play and, and, um, people have trusted me with that and, uh, and it's, it's a humbling experience, but it's also, it's a fun time. I, I enjoy being part of digital and I enjoy, enjoy the career that I've chosen. I, I, I mean, I would, if anyone's, if I was, if I was to go back to my varsity or to any journalism people, I would find it very hard not to say, bad things about other types of media mm. i would find it very hard and say digital is where it all comes together you know you can you can have podcasts you can have video you can have writing you can do everything on on digital you, you're not restricted with so many words you're not restricted with how much space you have in a newspaper you can just go wild tell them as many stories as you want for as long as you want for however you want it's 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 the space to do it in hmm. and you can reach people within who are in, so in cool. their pockets yeah and it's it's it's, it's empowering place. yeah it's empowering yeah uh, the one word that describes you just before you wrap this up. Maybe you should answer that. 
Hmm. I mean, it's a difficult one. Walking into this, I mean, I knew that keywords in this conversation were going to be keywords like content and um, passionate to me almost seems like a bit of a disservice because that term in this day and age has gotten a bit of like a cheesy rep. But it would definitely be along those lines. Um, I'd almost something maybe embody because I think you embody what you do. It just is an extension of who you are. Mm. Um, it's kind of like part of your DNA. Everything that you produce is comes fully from within you. It's not like you're being someone else or you're putting on another persona before you go to the office. Mm. It just is you. Thank you. And I think I'm not I'm not the only one. I think I think everyone who's young and has grown up with digital. It is it it embodies them all. I mean, we all we've grown up with it. It's part of our DNA. Digital is who we are as a as a generation. Who we are as as youngsters. And I think, I think I'm not alone in that. And I think if they always say, you know, choose choose your career, choose a career that you've become passionate about. But I've recent recently read a book where be as good as you can be, and then and make them notice that, mm-hmm. and choose a career that you can be good at because then you'll become passionate at it. And that's Dan Calderwood. Thank you so much. Kelman on cliffcentral.com.